Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> I'm just curious, how many ministers do we have sitting in this worship today? Okay, most of you failed. You're all ministers. <laughs> if you are born again in Jesus Christ, you enter the ministry of Jesus Christ. And see, typically that's how we think. You introduce me to your friend, this is my minister. But I could really, biblically, I could introduce you that way to someone. This is one of my ministers. Because we're here to minister to one another in the name of Christ. But that's, that sadly, we, we miss that somehow in our discipleship process. And so being servants of the Lord, we need to more fully and maturely grasp that. So these four weeks, we're going to deal with being servants of Christ in the body of Christ, being a part of one another, serving one another in love. In the New Testament, I've said this before, over 40 times do we have the phrase, one another. It's used in many ways to describe life in the body of Christ, doing life together in a community of faith. And to neglect that is to, uh, is to be a great disservice, not only to any congregation, but ultimately to the name of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's our text today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, beginning with uh, verse 1. And let me set the stage. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, who is a is a messed up church. Those of you who have studied Corinthians before know they have all kinds of problems, all kinds of issues going on, all kinds of division, and basically they can be summed up, all their problems in three eyes, immorality, uh, immaturity, and immortality. They were messed up in all three ways, and these particular chapters, 12, 13, 13, and 14, which we can't even cover these three chapters, he's dealing with their immaturity regarding spiritual gifts. This is what he says. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still, it's another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. In verse 1, when it says spiritual gifts, actually the word gifts is not in the text. He says, now about the things that are spiritual. Uh, and he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed about this idea of spiritual gifts. Now, by the way, I'm not going to go through this list of gifts here. This particular list is a list of miraculous gifts made available by God's Spirit in the first century before the New Testament Scriptures were gathered together. Imagine being the Apostle Paul or Peter preaching to the church, and all they have available is the Old Testament Scriptures. There's no New Testament. There's no life of Jesus to turn to. 
So God provided miraculous gifts by, that were used as credentials for his preachers, his speakers, to show that this message was from him. They were the validation that what is being preached is true. So that's why we don't teach or preach or proclaim the miraculous gifts of the Spirit today because we have something better in that I can preach and you can check me out by the Bible. You don't need a miraculous gift to know if, I, if I'm preaching God's word or not. You check me by his, his revelation. But the principles in this text are the same for all kinds of gifts, miraculous for them and beyond that even to our day today. And that's what we need to, that's what we need to learn and raise the bar. And it starts with understanding why this is so important to spend four weeks on. First of all, a Christ follower needs to understand spiritual gifts. You know, there's debate by different commentators during the Olympics a couple of months ago about who the greatest athlete may be. Some say it was Usain Bolt, and you remember seeing him, this Jamaican runner, and we were just stunned. Everybody was. The stadium, remember, was packed when he ran, and then it, it died to practically nothing for all the other, other runners. Many said, and I would agree with them, is that this man, you know, Ashton Eaton, is the greatest athlete in the world because he won the gold for the, for the decathlon. Ten events that he excelled in. Now, when I see him or hear of him, I think, I'd like to be that in, in the Lord. I want ten gifts that I can excel at, like a spiritual decathlon which isn't really possible. Even if you were given 10 gifts of the Spirit, by the Spirit, to God, you, you wouldn't have the time to even invest in 10 so-called events or 10 expressions in your life. Uh, but God has given gifts to all of us. All are gifted so that we can function in the body of Christ and make it a healthy place. And we're very mixed in our, our giftedness. And, and the, the Corinthian church was putting different values on different gifts. They were covetous of other gifts. And, and, and there was no health in that. There was all kinds of division about it because they were confused about the Holy Spirit and his work. Here are three principles about understanding gifts. First of all, they are spiritual, not material. Because usually when we think of gifts, we think of something tangible. We think of something we hold, shake, smell, rattle, whatever, unwrap. These aren't, these aren't material gifts like the money God gives you and other things. They, they are spiritual gifts. They are gifts that, that you have within you that God has made you to express for his honor and glory. Second of all, spiritual gifts are supernatural, not natural. Now, there's a lot of ways we can use the word supernatural. I don't mean by it miraculous. I'm, I'm putting it up against a, a natural meaning that you really remember you don't have anything to do with the way you were made with a certain gift. That's all God's doing. And so we're thankful for God that not only gave us life, but he made each of us so uniquely different from one another that you express your life, your faith differently than anybody else on the face of the earth because of the way God made you. Uh, the, the, you know, and, and for, for instance, and, and let me do some side teaching here to, to clarify, because there's a lot of different teaching about spiritual gifts, and I'm not saying I'm right, but I think I am. <laughs> and you may differ with me. When, we are, when, when you were conceived in the womb, locked up, and that DNA was all your potential. When we are living under the wrath of God, uh, unredeemed, 
We, we, we can never be who we were made to be. Now, you may know you have a talent or a gift today, a, a gift to do or something, but, but it's not used in the right way. When you are born again in Jesus Christ, we are each then freed to become the best we can be and to arrive at our full potential. And so, for instance, I, I don't think when I'm baptized, suddenly I become a virtuoso at the violin. That's not going to happen. You know, but what's going to happen, if I've been a great violinist, now I understand why I was given that gift. Why I've developed, it's ultimately God gave it to me for his glory. And so I turn the purpose for the use of that gift toward him rather than being self-centered. Now, there are times as well when you are redeemed by Jesus Christ, you suddenly start involving yourself in ministry and think, I never would have dreamed in a thousand years I'd be doing this. What happened? You were freed to become greater in many ways than you ever could have done by yourself. That's what happens when you're born again. I think that's a sound a theology. If you disagree, sorry, you're wrong, but uh, yeah, that's the way it is. No, I'm, I say that graciously, really. Well, there are different kinds of ideas. This one fits better to me and, and, and reasonably in the whole scheme of things. Um, third, spiritual gifts are given to evangelize and to edify. You know, Jesus Christ is still on earth. He still has hands, he has eyes, he has a mouth, he has ears, he can smell, all that, because we are the body of Christ. When we are born again, God's Spirit comes to live in us, and at the same time, he puts us in his body. And now you, you may not live with that awareness and, and consciousness, but I hope you will, you will grow in that, because that is the truth. You are born again in him, and we become who Christ is on the earth. So when, when we're here, we're being built up in the faith. And when we leave this place, we are Jesus wherever we're going, as his body, with his eyes, his voice, wherever we go. I hope you grow and understand that more all the time. Now, that means if you don't have a ministry in the body of Christ, the body is enduring some paralysis. Now, some of you have had Bell's palsy, or you've sprained your ankle, you've broken your arm. You don't stop living, do you? You still do your life, but boy, it's not as good as when your arm's healed, or when the Bell's palsy is gone, or when, or when something else has gotten better in shape, right? You want to have a healthy body. The same thing with the body of Christ. Can the body of Christ go on existing if you're not doing your part? Sure. It'll go on, but it will never be what it can be if you are a, are, a, are a member that is simply living by paralysis here. And so everybody has an identifiable ministry they need to perform in the context of the body of Christ. So we need to understand this. Second of all, a Christ follower has at least one spiritual gift. Look at verses 4, 5, and 6 again. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them, distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and everyone, it is the same God at work. So those three words pop out in the text. First, uh, gifts, service, working. There are different kinds of gifts, first of all. Charis, charismaton is the Greek word there, meaning grace gifts. Now, we know what grace is. Grace is something you don't deserve, right? We're saved by grace. We are saved, we are saved from our sins, and we don't deserve that treatment. 
But that's how God's treated us. So we talk about our gifts. They're grace gifts. There are gifts that we don't deserve. Now, see, when we're kids, we deserve them, right? I deserve a birthday party. And, you know, you give all these kids, the gifts to your kids, and what do they say? What else? And you want to smack them at that point, you know, because they're selfish little kids. That's what children are. They are self-centered. When Paul is writing to Corinthians, in 12, 13, and 14, he's addressing this problem of immaturity about spiritual gifts. And you remember, at the end of 12, many of you have studied this before, he says, I want to show you a more excellent way. And what is the excellent way? Love. Love. And in that chapter, the love chapter, he says, that's the best thing to keep in mind. And he says, when, you know, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I talk like a child. I reason like a child. When I grew up, I put away childish things. So, you know, when we, when we, so we were little boys and girls and we have these birthday parties. I want my gifts. You know, give me my stuff, you know. When we grow older and we have our 60th birthday party, what do we say? No gifts, please. <laughs> no. Why? Because we've grown up. We grew up. We came to maturity. And so when we come to maturity in Jesus Christ, we understand more deeply the kind of love with which we've been loved. It has so impacted us that it's not about us. I stopped thinking like a child of what's the church doing for me and how am I going to get it? What am I going to get? That's a consumer mentality, has no place for the body of Christ. It's coming together and exercising our gifts for one another in his name for the strengthening of the body. That's why we do this. Second of all, there are different kinds of service. There's diversity of gifts. In other words, the word, Greek word there for service is diakonia. It, 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 it really, there's a, there's a spirit in it. It's where we get the word deacon from. It means to humbly serve. So it's not just service, but the right spirit of service is there as well. And so to humbly serve means I've, I've, God has blessed me by whatever gift it is, and it's for reaching people for Christ and building them up in Christ. That's, that's what our gifts are for. And third, there are different kinds of working, he says. This is one of my all-time favorite commercials, Super Bowl 2012. Remember it? Love it. <laughs> what a great commercial. You know, the Greek word here is energeia, where we get our word energy. Energy. Now, can you take the talent you've given and do some good and God will do some good? Sure. In spite of you, not because of you. What happened with that little boy is that father stepped in and did something, intervened, and blew the kid's socks off. That's what happens when you live in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. He energizes you and me to do what he's gifted us to do. And not only that, when you do it, more energy is given to you. You can be at the end of your day. You can go home from church exasperated from 
helping toddlers in the morning and say, I don't think I can do this anymore. And you go back the next week because you're supposed to and God energizes you for it and you know what happens? He gives you more energy to keep going. He does. He's such a giving God. That's just how God operates. Aren't you thankful that we're all different? Even though we sometimes want somebody else's gift. Uh, can you think of it, how bad if we were all Steve White's? <laughs> worse, Todd Dillon's. You know, that would be even worse. You know, I mean, it's it, it just, God has made us so different from each other, uniquely different. How wonderful it is like that. These two guys are childhood friends. They live in China, and they both have the name Chia. And if you notice, Chia on the left is a double amputee. The Chia on the right is blind. And for the last 13 years, they've been working together happily planting trees in China. That's called a symbiotic relationship where two weak people come together and they make up for one another. And they, isn't that the picture of the church? I mean, we have all these weaknesses, but we're all gifted. And where one is weak, the other strong. And formed together, what a brilliant body of Christ we can be. Praise God for such a look as that. Third, a Christ follower uses his gifts to serve others. Spiritual gifts are for employment, not enjoyment. Now, that doesn't mean you won't enjoy serving, but, it, but I can't promise you it always will be a joy. Sometimes serving the Lord comes at a great cost, and you do it because it is right and because God has gifted you to do it. I remember being a little boy, and Patty remembers, learning about Kupahar Kids Home. Remember in India? And um, Patty and Dave Jefferson are here. Did you see them over there? They're here today. Glad to have them. Welcome. Uh, you those are new to us could care less, right? Uh, 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 Dolly Chitwood and Liam Mosier had a heart for India and for kids. And uh, the work started in the Himalayas. And then in 1948, they started the Kopahar Kids Home, a really tough work. And I remember, I, I suppose they're both with the Lord now, I don't know, but uh, I remember seeing an, them interviewed probably 30 years ago. And uh, the question was posed to them, um, how is it that you went there? I mean, why did you want to go to India of all places? And uh, Ms. Mosier said, oh, we didn't want to go. We had to go. I never forgot that comment. You might not always want to serve where you're called to serve, but you look at your gift, you recognize the burden, and you do something about it. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about the strengthening of his body and building up the body. So ultimately, it's not really about our enjoyment. Now, this is the thing we have to fight against. I'll probably address it in the next three weeks is we live in this culture that is so consumer-oriented. That's how people look for a church. What can that church do for me? Which is so, so contrary 
to the spirit of the early church, the New Testament. We, we come together. We're called to be together and to give to one another, to minister to one another. And, and, and in so doing, we, we make, make each other better. Addie Eddington used to be president of Shriner College in Huntsville, Texas. And he would drive nearby to a prison and, and teach uh, men on death row. And a friend would go with him. And this friend told this story about watching Addie Eddington. And they'd stop by this greasy spoon on the way home. And he was a big coffee drinker, Addie was. And uh, one night they went to this greasy spoon and ordered black coffee. And the waitress brought three sugar, sugar uh, bags, little, little packets. And he said, uh, I'm going to need a lot more sugar than that. And the waitress said, you'll get more sugar when you stir what you got. <laughs> and I thought, you know, spiritually that works, doesn't it? Because we want more and more of the blessing of God. And he looks at us and he look, you stir what you got, what I've given you, what I've made you to be, and then we can talk about it. <laughs> you know? Are you stirring what you got? You look at the way God has made you. Are you taking his gifts and you're incorporating them in the life of the body of Christ? That's why you're here, to make us better. And I want you to know this is such a practical thing for me because as a preacher here, uh, you know, I, I, there, there are frustrating times when I don't always know what we need or I'm not good at ascertaining what's next or what I should preach, or what, and I have staff members will say to me, Steve, you don't have to figure all that out. We're here too, you know. And they remind me that we function together as a body, even on the staff, to help each other and make each other better by prayer and humility and listening to one another and pushing back on one another. That's how it happens. It happens throughout the body of Christ that way. Okay. Second, spiritual gifts are, God's, are by God's sovereignty, not our selection. Now, I wish I could pick. Verse 11 says, all these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. It's God's business of how he distributes gifts. And so if you are tend to whine about what you wish you should do, stop that. Or if you want to say, well, I'm just not a gifted person, stop it. That's a slap in the face of God. He has gifted you. Now, it, it, we all fall in the trap. Friday night, the proctors had the staff over for this big bonfire. So we're over there. Keith Reitz, husband of our support staff person, Lynn Reitz at the pier, uh, uh, showed me he had made this cool desk out of walnut and metal piping. I was terribly jealous. I wanted to do that. But I, so far, God has not indicated any indication toward that. <laughs> you know? But it was easy to covet that. I want to do that. I can't live that way. I can only do what God has helped me to do and empowered me and, and gifted me to do. And you must do what you were gifted to do. And so we take coveting out, wishing we were somebody else. To wish we were somebody else or do what somebody else does is, is, is a strike against the way God made us. Let's be careful about that. It's a terrible offense to him, I think. Here's a couple of warnings. First, it's possible to be gifted 
without being godly. I didn't say that right. It's possible to express your gift. That's what I mean. It's possible to express your gift without being godly. I mean, can you do what God has gifted you to do without praying about it, without a humble spirit, without seeking the Holy Spirit? Yeah, and God will do something good, not because of you, but in spite of you. But I hope you want to do things through God's power and because he's working in us. That's how we want to be as the body of Christ. So we do it with prayer. We exercise our gifts with prayer and with gratitude and with humility, with thanksgiving, with power. comes from the Holy Spirit. Second warning is it's possible to seek an experience instead of the Lord. In other words, sometimes we serve because we want to feel better about ourselves. And that sea is very self-serving. Now, will you feel better when you serve the Lord? Absolutely. But that's the byproduct. That's not why we do it. We do it because of what we sung this morning, what God has done in us, the sacrifice that he's made for us, this, this sea of Calvary that, that we, we are enjoying every day has impacted us. How can we not serve him? And as a result, he gives great blessing. Matthew Eldridge is a body double in Hollywood. He's a body double for Jason Bateman. He writes this. Bateman has become a household name, growing up a child star and moving on to lead roles. But you've certainly never heard of me, Matthew Eldridge, though you may have seen my hands on screen. How many of us know the names of anyone behind the scenes in Hollywood? The directors or the directors of photography, cameramen, great films rely not just on acting talent, but a team of talented individuals who work in lighting, gaffing, sound, special effects, painting, props, and so on. And that's just production. With close to 100 crew members tirelessly working 15 hours a day so Jason Bateman can shine, they have an understanding that their work will be underappreciated and likely go unnoticed by those watching the show. But they do it anyway. Why? Because they love being part of the creation process. There's something magical about creating something collectively larger than ourselves. Friends, there is one who is worthy of shining. Jesus Christ. And we're all behind the scenes as the body of Christ, working, serving together that his name might be known. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your masterful creative genius. How can it be with all the people on the face of the earth today and all who have ever lived, there are no two people alike? What a designer you are. And not only in the creative process, Father, but in the genius of recreation, that by the blood of one person, your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, we could be brought into the presence of God our Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How can we not serve? How can we not serve well the name of Jesus? So make us better, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.